0: Welcome to Come Magnify the Lord With Me podcast hosted by Becky Damron. Becky was saved at a young age and reared in a Christian home. At an early age, she sought for a special relationship with Jesus Christ. As her love for Jesus grew, so did her love for his word. Becky has enjoyed leading ladies Bible studies, speaking at ladies conferences, and sharing the gospel with anyone willing to listen. We hope you have your Bible and are ready to dive into studying God's amazing book.
1: We'll be picking up in Matthew 3, 2, and as we do, we're coming to John the Baptist's message that he preached to the nation of Israel. As we said before, Matthew introduces John the Baptist with no introduction. It's just John the Baptist, and he does this because he is writing to Jewish folks who knew John the Baptist well. They knew his message. Uh, They understood a lot about him because John had such a strong influence in the nation of Israel before uh, Jesus came. Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest prophet ever. He says, there's not a greater born of woman. We'll get to that in Matthew 11 where Jesus said this. Um, Now John was the son of an elderly couple who was well past the age of giving birth to children. So I would expect that his parents passed away when he was a young man. Right now, he's around 30. We would assume as this is about the same time that Jesus is 30. He's only six months older than Jesus. I don't know how long he lived in the wilderness, but I would guess when uh, his parents passed away, he that's when he went out and he spent time with God. And uh, God uh, developed in, him into a prophet, his prophet. And so that's this is where John grew up, more into manhood, I would say. Um, Luke gives us more detail about him, and later in the passage it does here, too, and we'll get to that. But one thing I wanted to mention, when it talks about him being in the wilderness, it doesn't mean he was in a desert place with no trees and nothing, like he's in um, a land with no water. The idea of wilderness is just that there's no towns there. So he's out, you know, where there's not inhabitants with booming villages or anything like that. He was out alone. And his message that is given is the gospel in a nutshell. He says, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the gospel is introduced right away. And you say, what's the gospel? The good news that Jesus came to save. But what does it start with? Repent. It's the first step in salvation. Human repentance not only includes regret, but also a willingness to change. When I say human repentance, somebody, you know, the Bible uses the term that God repented. Uh, he he regretted what he thought of, but he never had to repent of sin. God is perfect. But human repentance includes a regret about what we've done, but also a willingness to to change. We'll see this word so much in the New Testament. Um, and some people have falsely said that, well, how you use repentance now and how people say it is a work. and And... The way they're saying it is a work, like you're not saved by work, they would say, oh, well, you're saying you have to clean up your life and then Jesus will save you. Like somebody needs to uh, fix everything in their life, and then Jesus will save them. Well, that is work, but that's not repentance in the Bible. This is different. Repentance in the Bible includes two things, and, and we've said that, but we're going to go through them. The first step is that you do need to feel regret. You should feel badly about your sin. And somebody cannot be saved if they don't feel bad about their sin. Now, let's think about some sins that we should feel wrong, we should feel guilty about. Um, maybe stealing. Maybe somebody has a past where they stole. Uh, lying. Um, pornographic thoughts. Uh, thoughts of an affair. A lot of times women look at men, oh, you're so bad, you, you look at porn. But women uh, fantasize in affairs, they read romance novels that is is just as wicked. Um, having an actual affair that would be something that we need to feel regret for when we come to the point of salvation. Uh, coveting what somebody else has, saying, "Boy, you know, they my neighbor just got a new car, and all of a sudden the car we have isn't nice enough anymore." Um, taking God's name in vain. We, when someone comes to be saved, they need to feel regret for that. Uh, putting anything before God. Has uh, is, is sports been put before God? Uh, has, has your job been put before God? Anything that's been put before God, we must repent of. We must feel regret over those things. Bowing down before any idol, any idol. Uh, if there's somebody here that has bowed down to Buddha, That you're listening here and you've, you know, worshipped a Hindu god or um, Mary. If you bow down to uh, Mary, you need to feel regret over that. That's part of repentance. In China, they don't have idols, but they worship the government. They have to feel regret and regret for that. Those actions in Japan, they worship their ancestors. You have to feel regret for those actions. Uh, Not honoring your parents. You you need to feel regret because if I'm going to be saved, if I'm gonna understand salvation, I have to feel regret for not honoring my parents like I should, Uh, not setting aside a day for God. I've lived my own life and I've done whatever I wanted and I don't think about God. I need to feel regret for that. Um, Making yourself look good and somebody else look bad by what you say, we need to feel regret for that. Now, where am I getting this from? If you know anything about the Bible, you know I am referring to God's Ten Commandments that he gives to us. And this is found in Exodus. And I'm going to read them because I want, if somebody's here listening and they have not repented of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus, I want them to understand that. So first of all, in Exodus 20, it says, God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bond bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So when I come to salvation, I have to say, I I feel bad that I haven't looked at God as who he is. Secondly, thou shalt not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord Thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. So right there, if you've bowed down to any idol, you need to repent of that. Uh, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. This is just common nowadays. People just use Jesus Christ's name in vain and God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We've talked about this. Not set it, when We don't set aside anything for God and we just live our life how we want. That's wrong. Uh, it says here in verse 12, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Then it says thou shalt not kill. And Jesus added to, added to that, if you hate somebody, you're guilty. This is, this is just the same. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. And you say, well, I haven't done that. But jesus said if you think wrong if you wish that then you're guilty thou shalt not steal that means anything you you can't you shouldn't be stealing from the grocery store but you also shouldn't be stealing from work and just taking whatever you want Uh, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor some people always say oh it says thou shalt not lie no the, the ten commandments is even deeper it says, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's why I added that in, making yourself look good to somebody else and making your neighbor look bad, making somebody else look bad by what you say. That's bearing false witness, talking bad about, untruthful about somebody. Then thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's wife, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his ass, nor anything that's his neighbor. So this is a big step. And that's part of salvation is understanding, not just, oh, I'm a sinner like everybody else is a sinner. We're all sinners. But we have to feel regret for that sin. But then secondly, you have to be willing to change. Now, God does the work of the change. He changes us. But we must be willing. If someone is not willing to repent, they are not in a position to trust. And that's what we have an issue with in America. We've had people just take Jesus, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, I got Jesus. You're not understanding trust. The trust is because we're putting our faith and trust in Christ becoming our substitute for the punishment of that sin. So if we don't feel any regret for the sin, then we're not understanding what we're actually trusting in. When we go through all those 10 commandments, we think murder, is there a punishment for murder? Yes. Should there be a punishment for stealing? Yes. Now, we live in a country where a lot of things let go, but there still is a punishment. You say, well, I haven't murdered somebody. Uh, You know, well, for one, if you're thinking that, you're not at a point of repentance. Because when you see your sin as what put Christ on the cross and you see yours and your own, yours only. I, I've memorized a verse where David has sinned and he says against thee, thee only have I sinned. Uh, this is where he's saying, I'm not looking at everybody else, I sinned against God. When we don't see our sin as great and we just pacify it and say, well, it's not that bad. We, we excuse it away as not being that serious. Well, then we don't understand um, repentance. But then also, in James, it says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So we went through that whole t- ten uh, commandments. There is no one that can say, I've kept all of them. It's impossible. And if you, And if you think you have... Then Jesus points out other sin, like the the rich man. We'll get to the rich man where he said, well, I've done all that. And Jesus said, yeah, but you you won't care about the poor. So he knew he was covetous. The man was excusing covetousness to say he wasn't that bad. So what he was saying, well, I haven't lied. I haven't uh, stolen. He was trying to excuse himself. And that's what we do as well we have to look at it. It doesn't matter what we've offended in. Once we've offended in one, we have offended in all. Now, it's really so beautiful what this verse says, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the second part of salvation, the kingdom of heaven. Now, this phrase only appears in the book of Matthew. I believed I believe he used it for a couple reasons. Number one, uh, first of all, he's trying to see and show Jesus as king. So kingdom of heaven, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's trying to say this kingdom is led by a king and it's Jesus. Secondly, he is speaking to Jews and they know who is going to set up the, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And it's the Messiah. The Savior, the one who is going to bring about the kingdom of heaven is Jesus Christ. And that's what Matthew's trying to show. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, I believe, are the same thing. Um, I, some people may see, see differently. To me, it seems like the same. Now, someday Jesus will rule in, the kingdom, in a kingdom here on earth but he first had to come and pay the penalty for our sin. That repent He had to pay for what we've repented of, what we have felt regret and were willing to change. That's why repentance is listed first, because repentance has to be taken care of first. However, we know that someday Jesus is going to reign and he's going to uh, rule in this earth. But the kingdom of heaven that Matthew's talking about is within us. So in Luke seventeen twenty-one, he explains about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. He says in Luke 1720, and when he He was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. So they're talking to Jesus here. Then they're demanding stuff of him because they were very proud. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. How does it get within us? When we accept Christ as our savior, he brings the kingdom of God to us. And you say, that's weird. I don't understand that. Well, God doesn't give us a new hand or new hands when we're saved. He doesn't give us new feet. He doesn't give us new eyes, but he does give us new heart and not a physical heart. He gives us a new spiritual heart. And that spiritual heart is the spiritual man. The Holy Spirit of God comes and lives within us. You say, I don't understand that. It's a miracle of God. And when you experience it, you know it. When you've been born again, you know it. You know that you turned from your sins and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and God brings a whole new person into your life. Somebody who you were not before. Before you were a liar, you you loved lying, you loved stealing, you, you loved, thinking those wicked thoughts, you enjoyed looking at pornography. Once you're saved, all of a sudden you you don't enjoy it. It's it's not fulfilling. There's this at salvation. That's the kingdom of God that comes and he rules in your life. Now we as Christians, we can sin and we can make mistakes, but it's not our natural nature to want that anymore because Jesus comes and reigns in our life. He comes and lives within us. What a glorious good news that John the Baptist is preaching here. Heavenly Father, I pray if there's anybody listening here that doesn't know you as personal Savior, maybe they have rested upon an event where they just prayed a prayer. Maybe they never understood repentance. Maybe they never understood, but putting their faith and trust for the payment for their sin in you. And I pray that they would come to you today and accept you, accept that free gift of salvation, and that they can live right now in the kingdom of God, having you rule and reign in their lives.
0: Thank you for listening to Come Magnify the Lord with Me podcast. Please join Becky Dameron each weekday for a study through the Bible from a woman's perspective. If you've enjoyed this podcast or have any questions, please reach out to Becky through Come Magnify the Lord With Me Facebook page. Until next time, God be with you, and may He greatly bless you as you continue to grow through following His Word.